G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. But as we do on a Monday, great to be able to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan Flynn is the Chief Political Officer for the ACL. Dan's on the line. Hi, Dan. Welcome back to 2020. True to be here, Neil. Thank you. Hey, Dan, let's start with uh, news poll. I mean, you know, as much as polls can be trusted these days, uh, we're still a way out from a federal election, but the federal coalition leads news poll as Labor is struggling to cut through under Anthony Albanese. What is the, uh, what's your uh, take on what's happening with the polls? Look, I think it, um, the, the pandemic uh, really, I think, probably... Uh, plays to Scott Morrison's strengths of being a very flexible, very agile uh, leader. Uh, so a, a crisis like this uh, just gives him more room uh, to, to really be himself, uh, to show his personality, to connect with Australian people. Uh, Parliament is not sitting a lot, so he's not constrained by all of those sort of time schedules. But... Um, you know, I think he's out there, in a sense, with the people more uh, in touch with the people. That's resonating well. I think his leadership uh, through this has been exceptional, uh, finding a right balance, uh, you know, protecting Australians' health uh, and uh, making sure our economy, uh, you know, gets back into gear uh, after being, you know, stalled for some time. So that's playing well uh, with mum and dad at home um, and, you know, people who are swinging voters obviously think, well, you know, thumbs up to Scott Morrison. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying this type of leadership. Um, it's not polemic. It's not left and right. It's leading us through a crisis. So, um, you know, hats off to Scott Morrison. Let's continue to pray for our, you know, quite overtly Christian Prime Minister. Uh, we'd be calling for prayer if he wasn't a Christian, but uh, it is significant that he is a Christian. Dan, we might be asking if it might be clever or whether it's compromise when we see the uh, the Prime Minister uh, announcing new uh, issues across the weekend even uh, that really sort of meet some of the left-wing causes head-on, things like climate change and, uh, you know, the use of uh, gas or the possibility of a new gas plant and, uh, and of course, uh, working-class uh, voters wanting jobs. Uh, there are a couple of big issues there that somehow or other do cut across Labor's strong points. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's, uh, he's, caught, he's caught Labor um, uh, flat-footed on this in a sense, uh, taking a lead uh, on these uh, uh, issues um, and, you know, uh, emissions targets and so forth. That type, you know, uh, bringing up those type of discussions wasn't expected um, and, you um, uh, you know, so um, that just shows, I think, the agility of him as prime minister, uh, as a leader. And, um, you know, he's, he's in touch with people um, and also, I think, goading the ALP with this recent uh, uh, recent new energy technologies. Uh, these policies uh, are really probably, um, yeah, probably seem to wedge a lot of uh, the, the Labor Party people who thought this was uh, their solid ground. He seems to be proving otherwise. 
Well, with a satisfaction on the preferred leadership, uh, 65% Scott Morrison, 31% Anthony Albanese, uh, you might be wondering how long Anthony Albanese might uh, remain secure in his job. Hey, we'll uh, talk about that if there's any other breaking issues around that uh, in the coming times. Let's move on. The ACL is calling on the Federal Communications Minister to act against the Netflix film called Cuties. After the classification board downgraded its MA15 plus classification rather than refusing it a classification, this is a really controversial film. What are your thoughts here, Dan? Look, it's, a, it's an extremely controversial film. It's a film about 11-year-old girls uh, and uh, it's incredibly sexualised uh, behaviour by these young girls uh, in a dance troupe taking, um, you know, uh, photos of themselves um, uh, you know, nude photos of themselves, uploading it, uh, and you know, getting a lot of likes on Facebook. These girls are eleven. Uh, the film is classified MA fifteen plus. So, in other words, you know, fourteen year old girls can't watch it. Fourteen year old children can't watch it because it's basically pornography. And so, uh, this film was originally classified uh, MA fifteen plus uh, because of public complaints and social commentary. Uh, the uh, classifications board um, basically conducted a review and that review result was out last Thursday, uh, which I've read a copy of, and it has essentially confirmed that rating of MA15+. Um, this is actually a really nasty film and should have been denied classification or banned. If they'd gone higher and put it as, as an R-rated film, that would just make the situation worse. You know, that's an open declaration that this is the worst sort of pornography involving 11-year-old kids. Uh, so it's, it's, it's grooming, and uh, we'll be reaching out uh, to Paul Fletcher this week uh, for a meeting uh, to discuss the concerns, really, I think, largely of the nation. This is a, um, uh, a Muslim child who's portrayed uh, at, the, at this role. The uh, Islamic community would be horrified with this. Certainly the Christian community is. And I think, you know, mums and dads uh, who want their 11-year-olds innocence to be maintained would be appalled that this is now on Netflix. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? And uh, I'd have to check some facts, but uh, probably a couple of decades now since the government moved from a censorship where they would actually make decisions about films uh, to a classification system where really, you know, out go the out of the window goes the, uh, the opportunity to actually... Uh, ban a film, they just give it a different classification and that's something I guess needs to be worked on. Hey Dan, uh, in Victoria, which is your home state and these days you live in the ACT, but uh, the mm-hmm. ACL has argued that the COVID-19 based restrictions oppose, imposed upon churches are directly or indirectly a form of religious discrimination. Now this is an interesting one because uh, cafes and restaurants are uh, leading the way to getting an opening but churches are still closed. Uh, what are your thoughts here? The, the, there's some sort of discrimination going on um, in regional Victoria where there's you know, essentially no COVID. Um, the current restrictions are that there are 10 worshippers allowed at a church if they're outdoors. Uh, in the same town, a cafe can have 10 people indoors. Uh, those sorts of discrepancies are enraging our supporters in Victoria. This would be the matter about which we got probably the most contact at our office last week from Victoria. People extremely concerned about the discrepancies. And we, we don't ask for preferred treatment. 
uh, we, we merely ask to be treated the same. Uh, so uh, we'll be looking further into this today. I have asked a pastor in regional Victoria to do to to write up for me the exact uh, discrepancies, and let's see if we can um, make our voice heard. I think they they think the Christians are uh, either you know too too nice to worry about it, um, uh, or they think at church there's a lot of hugging and kissing or and singing, and, and therefore it's unsafe. But um, there's no doubt at a pub. Uh, there's a lot of loud talking um, and uh, you know, a lot of people moving from table to table. Um, I think they're, they're at more danger at a hotel than people at church. So uh, we uh, simply argue, argue to be treated on an equal footing. Okay, uh, lots more to be said about that. In South Australia, uh, parents are risking becoming criminals for supporting their child's birth sex if a Labor MP's gay conversion bill passes the parliament. Now, we've seen some... Uh, some of this sort of legislation just recently passing through Queensland, passing through the ACT. Uh, it's one of those things that is on the sideline in South Australia. How do things look there? Oh, look, they look, look, you know, essentially Queensland, the legislation uh, in your state, Neil, was all about, you know, medical practitioners, counsellors. Uh, the legislation that passed in the ACT was more targeted at faith communities uh, and parents. Uh, and this is really targeted at everybody and uh, the criminal uh, sentence is a maximum of seven years imprisonment. I think the ACT was one. So this is a tightening of the move uh, that's out there for parents to be able to uh, affirm their child's gender, a a confused child's gender, to be able to uh, insist uh, that that child um, um, is a boy and um, uh, to encourage that child to live out as a boy. Uh, and if that information got in the wrong hands and someone thought, no, this, this child's gender confused, that parent's greatly at risk. So um, South Australia uh, has got a number of problems, abortion to birth legislation, uh, and now this uh, conversion legislation. Um, it keeps Christopher Bro here, our state director, extremely busy. So please pray for Christopher. It's good. Hey, let's turn our sights to Tasmania. Uh, Some alarm bells ringing there as eminent Tasmanians are speaking up against the assisted suicide bill, uh, which is introduced into Parliament last week by Mike Gaffney. Uh, There's a lot of outspoken eminent people here. Who's saying what, Dan? Well, um, probably the most respected uh, individual there is the former Chief Justice and Governor William Cox. uh, And he has said that... uh, uh, you know, the state should not authorise people to take legal lethal doses to end their life. Um, uh, the former health minister, Michael Ferguson, has said the bill will encourage assisted suicide and there are other uh, concerns. I think one of the principal concerns about this bill is that um, there's no... You may have an illness that may be terminal eventually, um, but that might be 20 years ago, 20 years in the future. And, but you can still access assisted suicide, um, even though it would, be, it would take you that long to die from this. Uh, and there would be certain forms of cancer that would qualify for that. So it's just, it is just so open-ended. Um, and one of, the, one of the challenges, Neil, <clears throat> it's going to pass the upper house, I believe. That debate will continue on Tuesday, tomorrow. Uh, there's 15 members of that upper house. Um, there appears to be only about six uh, who oppose that legislation. 
the real fight will be when it comes to the lower house, uh, probably next month. And the uh, the vote will be very close there. It'll be won or lost by one or two. So that will be a real um, uh, fight in October, I think, in the lower house. Okay, let's talk through some issues here. I mean, the Queensland election, well, the race is on and there'll be pre-poll and postal voting starting early October. That's not far away. The actual election date, 31st of October. Uh, Groups in Queensland, especially one called Cherish Life, a pro-life movement, they're really preparing themselves and they're mobilising all of their supporters to make sure that Queensland voters know of the pro-life perspective here because it's a little bit cut and dried in Queensland where you've got a a Labor government that is very pro-choice and, of course, the abortion laws in Queensland, uh, abortion right up to birth. And, uh, and of course, uh, you've got this development that's happened in the US. So rather than uh, talk into the Queensland issue here, let's jump straight to what's happened in the US because talking about pro-life issues, uh, over the weekend, US Supreme Court judge and ardent liberal Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and uh, triggered what is likely to be a, a pro-life opportunity here for the next U.S. president to install a conservative Supreme Court. You've been monitoring this along. Uh, Interesting the way the things have developed in the U.S., and that will eventually have a flow-on effect to Australia. But what are your thoughts over the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg over the weekend, Dan? Well, it's incredibly significant politically. Um, You know, obviously we, uh, you know, share the the grief of her family, Um, Politically, uh, this is this has changed the focus of the election. Uh, in the US, we've they've been dealing with coronavirus, they've been dealing with the economy, they've been dealing with violence in the streets. Um, now, uh, some 45 days out of the election, uh, this has happened. So, Ruth Gader, Bader Ginsburg, uh, the question is, uh, one of the questions is whether she'll be replaced before the election or after the election. Um, for what it's worth, Neil, I think the likelihood, likelihood of her being replaced before the election is very slim. Um, but uh, the political potency remains because Donald Trump has said, look, I'm providing, he did this a couple of weeks ago, I'll provide a list of 20 judges from whom I will appoint. They will all be um, pro-life. They'll all be conservative. Now, um, uh, this uh, then is the, uh, I suppose, the rallying point for Christians and conservatives who want to see the repeal of Roe versus Wade, who want to see pro-life legislation. Now, um, and similarly, this motivates uh, Joe Biden's campaign. And I understand that in the last, I think in the 24 hours after uh, the justice's death, $80 million was donated uh, to Biden's campaign from leftist progressive groups who rally around... um, uh, abortion uh, as as a woman's right um, but I think you know uh, there's an incredible spiritual blindness there because we all know Neil that uh, every abortion stops a beating heart. Uh, this is completely unacceptable uh, for uh, Joe Biden to support abortion to birth uh, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg did and so uh, if he's elected he will no doubt appoint a justice like her who supports abortion and Roe versus Wade uh, may remain. Um, and um, conversely, uh, if uh, President Trump has his way. So this is the fulcrum issue now 
of the US election. Uh, it has changed the game, and uh, we'll see a lot of discussion on this over the next few days. And Dan, there's a difference, isn't there, between nomination and appointment, because uh, a nomination doesn't necessarily mean an automatic appointment, but certainly nominations uh, ought to be put forward before the election so that the American voters can uh, see who, which side is going to be nominating for that particular very important role on the Supreme Court. Uh, So the appointment could certainly happen after the election, uh, depending on who becomes president, but nominations, you might expect, uh, this is going to actually colour the whole presidential campaign. It really is so important. I just I wonder if you've got a, just a little moment here because we recognise just how significant the Supreme Court is in the United States. We think of our own High Court here in Australia. There are some significant differences. Uh, we don't have the same sort of protections that they have in the US where you can't really easily replace those people in the Supreme Court. Uh, what are your thoughts on, just a just a quick one if you've got a, a thought or two here, on the differences of how we function here in Australia? Look, um, Australian High Court uh, appointments are far less um, political. Uh, they tend to be based on merit and um, uh, we don't have a Roe versus Wade equivalent on abortion uh, federally. It's dealt with at a state level. Uh, so, but you, you're, to your first point, you're absolutely correct, Neil. Um, it's perfectly appropriate for a nomination to emerge, uh, and that Senate confirmation can happen before or after the election. Um, one of the front runners, for example, is Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, she's a Catholic with seven children, pro-life, two of whom uh, were adopted, and Donald Trump had said previously that he was saving Amy Barrett for Ginsburg. So um, we'd likely to hear a lot of her name, a pro-life Catholic, seven children, two adopted. Um, That's the sort of judge Donald Trump wishes to appoint. Significant things happening around the world and here in Australia. Dan Flynn, the Chief Political Officer for the Australian Christian Lobby, always appreciate your great insights. Let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website uh, where there's tremendous resources and including for Queensland voters uh, the uh, arrival of all of that uh, research that will be done about parties and candidates in the lead up to not only the Queensland state election but also the election in the ACT that is coming as well. Dan, uh, acl.org.au. Dan Flynn, thanks for the update today on 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.